everyone, and welcome to the Minneapolis Insider Podcast, produced by Meet Minneapolis and sponsored by U.S. Bank. We take you behind the scenes of events, happenings, and all things Minneapolis. I'm Kathy McCarthy for Meet Minneapolis, and for this episode, we get an insider's perspective on the evolving and growing Latino community in Minneapolis. Before introducing our guests, we have a special guest host for this episode, Iris Perez, longtime Fox 9 news reporter and fill-in anchor. She's joining us today and has covered it all in the Twin Cities. She's known for her keen, compassionate, yet no-nonsense ability to get to the heart of any story. Iris, it's great to see you. Welcome to your first Minneapolis Insider Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Excellent. So Iris, how about you do the honors of introducing today's guests? Well, our first guest today is Allison Sharkey. She's the executive director of the Lake Street Council and has lived along the corridor for more than 15 years. Allison uses her expertise in business finance, real estate, and nonprofit management to help guide the Lake Street Corridor and support its community of entrepreneurs and business owners. Welcome, Allison. Thanks. It's good to be here. Our next guest is Sergio Manacero, who is the co-owner of La Doña Cerveceria, Minnesota's first Latino-influenced craft brewery, which is celebrating its one-year anniversary. La Doña is located in the Harrison neighborhood of Minneapolis. And it's also my pleasure to welcome Luis Fitch to the podcast. Luis is an international award-winning artist, designer, working as a partner at Minneapolis-based design firm Uno Branding. His work has won numerous awards, and he's been named among the people to watch by Graphic Design USA magazine. Welcome, Sergio and Luis. Thank you. Gracias. So let's jump right in. To get us started, we'd like to give our listeners a little more background about each of you. So we'll start with Allison. Allison, what is the Lake Street Council, and what's your role in helping businesses along that corridor? Well, the Lake Street Council is a nonprofit organization that supports and promotes the Lake Street community in South Minneapolis. Um, so Lake Street is um, it's the place to go to see the real Minneapolis when you visit. It's really vibrant with hundreds of restaurants, unique shops, and theaters and music venues. So the Lake Street Council promotes the area, and we help entrepreneurs with questions about business management. We also work to ensure that people have a really great experience when they come to Lake Street. For example, we support public art and a lot of events that showcase the street's diversity and energy. And Sergio, your parents are originally from Uruguay? Yes. So while you are a Minnesotan through and through, how did your passion come for home brewing turn into La Doña? Uh, so my parents are both from Uruguay and South America. They immigrated here in the 70s, and I grew up here in Minnesota. I was born here. Um, everything I did was kind of involved. Was All my parents' friends were in the Latin community here in the Twin Cities, and so that's how I grew up within that community. And I went to the Marine Corps in 2009 and came back in 2013 to go to school at the University of Minnesota. And craft beer was exploding. I was getting into craft beer, but a lot of the Latinos that I grew up with weren't uh, showing up at a lot of these craft breweries. And so uh, through talking to the community um, and talking to Luis as well, uh, kind of developed the concept for a Latino-influenced craft brewery where we could create this authentic Latin experience and uh, the Latinos that were coming up in the city would have uh, a place to go that searched craft beer. 
So, Luis, your artwork is very recognizable. It's been presented nationally and internationally and is in more than 100 collections in Latin America. Will you tell us how you ended up in Minneapolis? Yeah, the short version, uh, money. <laughs> uh, but, uh, no, I, was, uh, I live all over the United States working for different brand agencies as a creative director. And the last place um, that I was, it was in South Beach, Miami. I had my own design studio and working for Fortune 500 companies. And a headhunter uh, called me and said, hey, do you want to come and be the creative director for the second largest advertising agency uh, here in Minneapolis? And at that time, they were specializing in doing work uh, for Target and Mervins. And my background being in retail communications, I decided to come here. And so, Luis, you are not alone in ending up in this community. According to the city of Minneapolis, the Latino population in the city has grown significantly in recent decades. Now there are more than 44,000 Latino residents in the city, and that represents around 10.5% of the city's population. Latino businesses have revitalized important commercial corridors in the city, including Lake Street, Nicollet, and Central Avenues. Um, I want to wade a little into a topic before we get to some of the fun stuff. This might be confusing to people. Um, is it Latino Heritage Month? Is it Hispanic Heritage Month? Um, the city prefers Latino Heritage Month. Do you have a preference, um, Sergio or Luis? And if so, why would you have a preference to be one or the other for Latino or Hispanic Heritage Month? Uh, I personally think um that either like just having a heritage month is important right and that the name of it isn't something that necessarily should be fought over if we're all going to choose what it is i think latinos what people what like latinos would prefer to call it but um <clears throat> yeah i don't i get i think luis has some more insight on that too yeah uh, i know it's a federal uh, holiday and so i believe in the 60s the federal government decided that it was going to be hispanic and that's the term that they've used for uh, so many years uh, obviously there is those who uh, are descendant from uh, spain and they like to be called hispanics uh, there's those those of us who come from latin american we like to be called latinos and then there's a new generation, uh, a younger generation, that like to be called Latinx. And so really all of them uh, are uh, good, depending on who is the person who's receiving that information <laughs> and what, how do they like to be labeled. So it's a tough question to answer. Yes, yeah. I, yeah. yes. and one more thing on, just on that topic, Luis, you mentioned it depends for you from a business perspective who you're talking to. And Sergio, you also had some opinions on Latino, Latina, or Latinx. Yeah, and I think, so, I think for us, for Ladonia especially, it's important that we're kind of marketing to the people that are into craft beer, which is in the age cohort of uh, people my age that prefer to be called Latino or Latinx. Um, and I, like, generally don't hear Hispanic from any of the people that I hang out with or that work at the brewery or anything like that, um, which I think is just indicative of how like that cultural shift will come in what we call people. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I would say 20 years ago, Hispanic Magazine, one of the largest uh, business and uh, cultural magazines in the United States, did a study uh, because they wanted to understand if they needed to change their name or not. And it was like 80% prefer Hispanic. Uh, I don't know if that study was specifically outside of California or not, uh, because then I got other information that people prefer Latinos. <laughs> Uh, so uh, it's one of those things that's very difficult. I know for us in, in my business, 
if we're, ta if we're talking to Fortune 500 uh, vice presidents of marketing, we use the term uh, Hispanic or Latinos. Um, and then if I go and talk to universities, I use the term Latinx. Perfect. So that gives our listeners a little bit of insight. Um, Iris, you want to take it away again? Yeah, so we're going to talk to you, Sergio, a little bit more about your brewery. So what does it mean when you say La Doña is Latino-influenced craft brewery? So what we try to do at La Doña is create an authentic Latin experience, and we do that through the use of art and music and, uh, and sports, but also, very importantly, the beer that we make. So one of the things that we focus on in beer recipe creation with uh, my head brewer, Dickie Lopez, is focusing on trying to source malts from Latin America. We, we make beer with malt that we get from Patagonia. Uh, we use a yeast strain that's specifically for Mexican style lager yeast and do like our Oktoberfest beer that came out this year is an Oktoberfest style, but we used our Mexican lager yeast to ferment it. So we try to do different things like that to accentuate you know different flavors from Latin America. And then of course, you know the music that we play, the, the live events that we have, uh, we have our three-on-three three futsal court on our patio and our leagues that play, and so all of that is kind of a mix of trying to create this uh, experience. Yeah, and so that sounds like you've already touched on the unique characteristics of La Doña that blend your heritage with a more traditional craft brewery or tap room, but is there anything else that you weave into this? Because it sounds like an experience, not just a place you go to have beer. Right, That's and that's, uh, that's the way we like to talk about it for sure, and I definitely think it is. It's... One of the things that's been the most interesting is uh, we we opened it with the hope that it would become a, this like uh, welcoming zone for like to create this wide range of very diverse beer drinkers for, from the market, which like obviously we wanted to market to Latinos to come and, and experience it, but also the people that normally drink craft beer, which is generally uh, white people. But what we've noticed is that it's quickly become like the most diverse taproom environment that you know there's like the hipsters that ride, ride their bikes every Saturday coming in and drinking with their flannels on, but there's also, uh, you know, like Latinos from Lake Street in South Minneapolis and people from Shakopee coming up to dance salsa on Saturday nights. And, you know, the and black people from North Minneapolis, that's the neighborhood that we're in, uh, coming and hanging out too. And so, and people have commented on it to me personally so many times that it's, to me, I just take it to be true that it's, you know, this very diverse environment that I was hoping and intending, but I didn't expect would happen as fast as it had. So you're focused on beer, but you also intend for La Doña to be a community gathering spot. You've touched on that, but what else? I mean, I think it's great that you're weaving in and able to draw in so many parts of the city. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's been really exciting for us as well, um, and that's just something that I continue to try to do with my taproom staff is focus on when people come to us with ideas, working with them to help them coordinate, you know, if it's a fundraiser, if it's a, an event that they're trying to have, or it's a business that they're trying to launch, like how can we help them to create that happen? And it doesn't matter if they're Latin or not, um, but that's the people that we've helped out, you know what I mean? And I think that that's important for businesses to do once, you know, they've, that's what businesses did for me when I was getting started out, is they gave me an opportunity, they gave me a chance, they told me what I should be doing better, and that's something that I, I've tried to, to help with people that come to us. Yeah. Fantastic. And Luis, we'll move on to you. So how would you describe your artwork to someone who's unfamiliar with it? Um, I will say that it's bold, colorful, direct, graphic, and hopefully universal. I know a lot of people see it and they go, it's, oh, that feels Mexican. 
uh, obviously. Uh, <laughs> How but do really, they know? What is that? It's a feeling. Mexican is a feeling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, really, for me, I, I'm trying to have messages that are very universal. Uh, sometimes it's death. Sometimes about being alive. Sometimes it's about not forgetting that we're not going to be here for too long. Sometimes about family issues uh, or political issues or social issues. So, but I, I, I really try to uh, make it uh, as graphic as possible uh, so people can recognize them, as you mentioned, more of a symbolic way or in a symbol way and, and be consistent with a, a certain amount of colors. It's the other thing that I uh, tend to do. And if people are observant, you might see it around the city like on electrical boxes. Can you talk a little bit about your guerrilla marketing tactics? Well, I'm glad you're calling it guerrilla marketing tactics and not vandalism. Um, <laughs> but because it, to me it's an experiment because I have uh, a branding agency. I really wanted to, uh, and I started five years ago with this idea of uh, how can I brand my art. And so uh, I took it as a project uh, to be, I, like I mentioned before, limited with the colors, limited with certain amount of images, and, and very, very graphic. And so I combine uh, the brand aspect with vandalism, if you want to call it, and I call it brandalism. And so uh, I think that's why people recognize it uh, uh, right away. Uh, the other tactics that I do is that uh, I'm not only uh, interested in, in exhibiting in galleries or museums, but really in the streets. And there's been a big movement around the world uh, to do uh, street art and make it accessible for people. So uh, I can do something from a li as little as a little sticker that costs you know five cents, and I give those away to some of the art that I post in social media, so people can have it for free in, in certain areas. To um, to the to these uh, graphics that I put on electrical boxes, only when there is no other graphics there. And uh, just to make a point, and uh, and then yes, I do have uh, exhibits uh, uh, in in galleries and in museums. And you have the following on your website: with the accelerated growth of the Latinx population in the USA, you're anxious to ensure that this community is served. So more than ever, in the new face of America, there's a great opportunity to make art centered primarily in Latinx themes with a crossover appeal. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Of course, I, I guess that the sample would be La Doña. Yeah. So oh, yeah. uh, I, I know when they came to, to us, they really wanted to do something uh, as Latino as possible. And the idea was uh, to not just be Latino, but combine it with Minneapolis and Minnesota and, and look at all these other demographics and how to make something that it was uh, very unique to Minneapolis. And so it's that crossover of cultures and, and, and and so for us, it's really important that when a Latino goes into a Target or to a Walmart or to any store, that they see reflected uh, their, their culture and you don't get to see that that much. So these big corporations will advertise for, uh, uh, to bring you into the, to the store, but then there's no products specifically for their taste or their culture. And so that's where we come in. I, I own more than uh, a thousand licensings with uh, some of the biggest retailers in the United States. And we do things that are from a our point of view of our culture. So anywhere from pajamas to uh, bedding or uh, kitchen uh, uh, artifacts. Uh, and so uh, more and more, now they can go to Latino artists who are, uh, who are creating this for our own culture and for the general market. Believe it or not, like the line of shirts that we have, 80% uh, of the people who buy it, it's white people. And they're designed for Latinas. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and that's something that we experience with our merch too just piggybacking off of that that there's so much draw to uh 
to to like experience that culture and to wear it on your body and stuff that like as long as the logo is cool you know like i don't know there's something very um like human about it that it connects everybody Mm. I, I will have to say that it's a, it's a, it's a Minneapolis thing. Uh, people are very open mind here about other cultures. I mean, obviously we have Hmongs and, and Somalis and, and the Latino culture comes from all over Latin America. So uh, it's, it's part of, of being uh, in, in Minneapolis, uh, how open-minded they are about other uh, cultures. Yeah, that's got to feel really good. That's a, another form of welcome that you've received from the city, absolutely. So now we're going to move on to Allison. So. Allison, what's it like to live and work in the Lake Street community? Well, I really love traveling, but I don't get to travel as much as I would like to. But working on Lake Street is kind of like traveling every day. I mean, there there are a thousand new foods that you could discover that you've never tasted before. I mean, every day I wake up and there's a new boutique or there's a new mural that I wasn't expecting. Um, so Lake Street has been this welcoming home base for immigrants for a hundred years. Um, one of the oldest stores on Lake Street is called Ingebrigtsen's and it's, you know, it was opened by Scandinavian immigrants almost a hundred years ago and you can still get Swedish meatballs there. There's still a line around the block before Christmas. Um, but what is also super interesting is that Lake Street has continued to change and 20, 25 years ago is um, really when there was a, a big influx of Latinos into the community, um, and that really has revitalized the street. Um, and then in the last 10 years, um, there's been a new wave of Somali entrepreneurship that has brought a lot of new energy to Lake Street. And can you explain what makes Lake Street's Latino business community so special? Well, I think one thing that makes the local Latino community special is that um, is its history of people working together to promote economic development within that community. So there's a place that you can go where you can literally, literally see the history of the Latino community building itself in Minneapolis. Um, so the Mercado Central um, is a market. It's a food hall with about 35 businesses, and it's located at Bloomington Avenue and Lake Street in Minneapolis. So it was um, formed 20 years ago as an economic self-empowerment tool by local entrepreneurs. So they created not only a space where their kind of new neighbors could gather and taste home, but they also built this incubator space where um, businesses could start and get their feet wet and then um, eventually spin off like several have and become very successful with additional locations and a lot of employees. Um, so anybody can go there. Um, it's a great place to eat authentic Mexican food and a good place to um, go for events and experience a, a little bit of Latino culture on holidays. And from a business perspective, Luis and Sergio represent success stories. So what's one that stands out to you, Allison? Um, there is a tamale shop called La Loma, and Luis is, is um, super familiar with this place as well because he has created um, a lot of the branding um, that has helped this business as they have grown. So they started as a tamale shop in the Mercado Central. They made tamales. You know, workers will come in in the morning, get a cup of coffee and a tamale. Um, but what's happened over the years is that the owner has um, grown the business. So now it's like this tamale empire that produces tamales for all the grocery stores in town. Um, so that, you know, they employ over 100 people. Um, and Luis's branding has also really helped 
the business um, kind of cross market into the non-Mexican market as well. And so what are some, before we let you go, we need some insider tips. So what are some recommendations that you have for people who want to experience more of the Latino community in Minneapolis? Well, let's say you have been out late drinking a few beers over at Doña Chela and you need a late night place to go. Um, Taqueria La Hacienda um, is open all night. It kind of recreates um, sort of that experience if you've ever been to Mexico City where you go out late at night with your friends and you eat tacos late at night um, on the street. And we can't do that in Minnesota in the winter, but you can, you can go to Taqueria La Hacienda and the tacos taste best in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. um, there's another place um, that's kind of unknown that I really love called um, La Alborada Market. So it's a grocery store, um, but within it they've got everything. There's a great restaurant serving traditional foods, and they have a great bakery. And you know, on the Day of the Dead, for example, coming up, you could go there, you can find um, pastries um, in the shape, um, sort of the traditional shape of skulls or pastries that have kind of the shape of bones laid out on top with this like super delicate anise and orange flavor to them. Um, so that's a place if you kind of want to dig deeper um, into a place, you know, go to a place you've never been before. So finally, what is one thing you wish people knew or understood more about the Latino community here? I would say um, you should know that Latino entrepreneurs want you as a customer. Um, you know, you, you may think, I don't know Spanish, I don't know what pozole is, I don't know what everything is on the menu, um, but it's worth it to go and discover it. Um, entrepreneurs who own these businesses will be welcoming and, and happy that you're there. And I might ask some of the same questions of, of Luis and Sergio in terms of if you were going to give either a visitor or a local who hasn't really experienced the community much some ideas and some tips on where to go, what to see, what to do, what to eat, what, what might you suggest to them? My brother was here last week. He's coming from L.A. So in L.A., you know, they have everything. Plus, he's Mexican. Uh, but still, he brought his girlfriend, and they've never been here. And we only have really literally two days and a half. And so the first place both of them wanted to go was to La Doña. So we went on Friday, we had a couple of beers, and I said, let's, you know, let's go sleep early because tomorrow is going to be, you know, a big day. So obviously I took them to, um, to the river, to uh, Mississippi River. They saw, you know, the, the Arc Bridge and all that stuff, all the touristy places. But we really went in, uh, in, in, in during the, for lunchtime, we went to Mercado Central because there's so much to, to choose from. They got their own parking, it's super safe, uh, and, and there's just so much to choose. So we got a tamal, then we went for the pozoles, we took some fresh tortillas home, I bought some uh, avocados and, and some pan dulce, a Mexican bakery. So for me, that's it's a, it's a great place because it's all contained. It's a little mall of America for Latinos if you want to, a mini version of that plus free parking. Um, <laughs> And then, uh, then we went out and we went home and, 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 and had some drinks and then everybody got the, the munchies and they, we wanted, they wanted tacos. And so we went uh, and, and ended at uh, La Hacienda around two o'clock in the morning, so yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's like where the authentic, like that authentic Minneapolis Latino experience kind of lives is on Lake Street. And I tried for a long time to put Ladonia on, on Lake Street and we ended up in, in North Minneapolis, which I'm totally okay with as well. But there's just, there's something about 
and like Mercado Central and a lot of the the markets that are on Lake Street and in like West St. Paul too, they have that um, that feel that you have when you're in Mexico or in other Latin country countries where it it just I don't know being in that takes me back to travels that I've had and um, it's a really interesting experience. Can I add one more thing? Yeah. So the Latino community is not monolithic in Minneapolis. Um, there's also a big Ecuadorian community. Um, and so there are also spots where you can find, you know, things like ceviche and, um, and you know, uh, different items besides, you know, kind of the Mexican culture that we have focused on talking about a little bit on Lake Street. Yeah, no, 100%. And that's something that, like, my family being from Uruguay and Uruguay being a country with 3 million people in the entire country, so they have more cows than people, like, it's something that I've always had to explain to people where it is. And so definitely, like, one thing that we notice at the brewery is the wide range of people that from all over Latin America are coming and, you know, to the brewery. And we've hosted, like, the Colombian national team watch parties and the and Real Madrid fans and... Um, people from everywhere and so I think that that's a really good point to bring up about Minneapolis and the Latino community here yeah really the only thing we have in common is the language but everybody you know it's from a different background different food different music right even right here in this room you say your family's from Uruguay Sergio you said Tia Juana Luis Mm. and my parents are originally born in Puerto Rico so Yeah. yeah yeah I mean, it's, yeah, it's just right here in this room, the diversity is vast. So yeah. it's that's a beautiful thing, I think, about Minneapolis. And going back to the Ecuatorianos, uh, they have their own bakeries, just like Mexicans, and it's totally different. It's not the same. They have their own restaurants, uh, their own little placitas. So it's, it's great to experience that, too. It's a large population. Yeah, and I'll plug Central Avenue over in Northeast, too, because Chimbraso is super good that's up there. Then there's a couple of Hector Ruiz restaurants up there, and there's a lot of little, like, mom-and-pop shops up mm-hmm. there that are really cool, too. And, and, and the, the bakeries. Embassy, I think, is there, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah so very cool. All right, I think Meet Minneapolis is going to have to make a, a couple of little itineraries Do a tour. For, yeah. Yes, for <laughs> yeah, people definitely. to be able to experience all this. Yeah, everyone, this has been terrific. Luis, Sergio, and Allison, we really appreciate you sharing your insights today. Thank you. Thank you for having thank us. You. And I, too, would like to thank our guests. I'd also like to thank you, Iris, from Fox 9, for being our guest host for this episode of the Minneapolis Insider Podcast. Don't forget, you can get more insider information on what to see and do in Minneapolis by finding Meet Minneapolis on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We also have our website, which is minneapolis.org. Finally, we welcome you to subscribe to the Minneapolis Insider Podcast, sponsored by U.S. Bank, on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for listening, everyone. Until next time.